printing out 40 pages of data, nobody wants to see that. And, and I've seen software packages that do that. And they're like, oh, look at this thorough plan. Well, it's a bunch of charts and graphs and, and nobody wants to see that. People want to know, can I retire? When and what kind of income can I take? And that's what we provide. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the delivery. Welcome in to Perfect Game Retirement. Glad to have you back on the podcast today. I'm Ben George. He's Ryan Ledden, President and Financial Coach at Black Oak Asset Management. Today, we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going we're gonna to laugh a little bit, hopefully. I've got a few dad jokes I prepared for you today, Ryan, that um, I, if we're both fathers, we can, I think we both appreciate the humor. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to kind of changing changing things up for today. It's actually there's still some good topics mixed into those dad jokes, but it's kind of funny. My daughter's softball team that I coach, one of my assistant coaches, um, he's it, it kind of became a thing through this season of dad jokes, and so <laughs> at practice he would literally look up a few dad jokes and tell them at practice. Well. Some of the girls just thought it was kind of stupidly funny. And so they would even go and go, I got one, coach, coach, I got one. So it became a thing that my assistant would say one, and then the girls would have three or four that, to fire back at them. So that's why I, or this 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 show topic kind of spoke to me. That's awesome. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll have some fun. We'll present some different topics in the financial world with a joke to kind of lead us off. So we'll have some fun with it today. But before we get into it, I got I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on some news. We try to do that from time to time, get some reaction to what's happening around the world and, and in the economy here uh, locally. But you know, job openings have been surging quite a bit for the last few months. Uh, but you know, companies are still struggling to fill these open positions. What do you when you see this? What, what do you think it means for the economy moving forward? You know, it's it's puzzling, to, to be honest. Uh, you see these headlines. You see, you know, help wanted ads everywhere. You see ridiculous signing bonuses for $500,000 just for people to get a job. Some of them, there's even bonuses to apply. I'm like, where have we come to that we have to beg and plead people to get jobs, well, there, there's th- that could be a political discussion that could last five hours. But um, I, it, it's it's baffling to me that there's this much job openings, and I still understand that there's certain sectors that just have not still re- completely recovered. I understand that, but that's what a market economy does. It makes adjustments and it pivots when it needs to, and that means the individuals need to do the same. So I do think with the signing bonuses and more per hour, more and more companies are competing for those people that have been unemployed and so higher wages that it's going to be, it has to create higher prices down the road. Um, It just does. It's going to create inflation. I mean, that's just how economics work as wages increases, as wage increases, those things are going to happen. It may not be immediate as far as prices going up, but there's going to be bits of inflation. When you combine that with government spending and higher wages, that is a formula for inflation. I, I don't care what economist is going to argue that. It's just going to happen. So interest rates may have to start increasing to slow things down. That's obviously the Federal Reserve getting involved there. So there's just a lot of moving parts here. But I did see a, a headline not too long ago, and it's pretty upsetting. Like it, it, it showed that, uh, and I can't remember what state it was, but there, 
people suing the state for unemployment benefits being cut short. <laughs> it just blows my mind. It blows my mind that they've been giving these unemployment benefits, actually extra unemployment benefits, and the first 10,000 or so dollars of them are not taxed, which they've been fully taxable before. Yeah, It just blows my mind that there are that many benefits out there and then still people are complaining. Uh, so I just don't want it to be a welfare society uh, where people are relying on the government for these things. That's why our economy is not perfect. It is not. Um, again, that can be a political discussion for another day because I can't stand politics, but I'll look at the economy and how things run and a market system doesn't have a ton of government intervention. And when there's a ton of government intervention, it becomes less efficient. And it, it, you can look at history and see that happening. So right now, it's just it's a strange time with these signing bonuses and more pay per hour, but yet we can't fill these positions. That That is disheartening and it blows my mind. Yeah, I saw just a, a post um, just a couple of days ago from a, a local restaurant, just a small like burger joint. They were offering a four hundred dollar bonus to have people come come work there, and so, that place can't afford that. You yeah. know, like the margins in the food industry are so small that they can't afford stuff like that. But they also need warm bodies to serve these people, uh, and and so I guess they they have to afford it somehow. But it, it's definitely cutting into the the bottom line of those businesses. I think it's a good time for younger people, right? That are you know, looking for that first job, maybe still in high school or in college looking for a job in the summer or something. There's some good opportunities yeah. out there right now. And I get it. I get, I, I understand the debate on uh, minimum wage. I, I understand that. I get that. Uh, but those minimum wage type jobs are usually meant for younger people who are kind of working their way up. Now there yeah. are some, I get it. There are some older people that have fall, fallen on hard times or for whatever situation, they're not employable at certain areas. But that's kind of the working up towards something process of increasing your pay by working and striving harder to do things, not just, you know, taking orders at a restaurant and expect 15 bucks an hour. That, that business is going to change their business model. It's going to be no one taking orders at the front if they have to pay someone $15 an hour. You're already starting to see that. You know, these touch screens inside of McDonald's and other venues where that, that human interaction is going to be less and less. It's just, it's going to happen. Um, yeah. the business owners are, they want to make profits and employ people. And if they can't make profits, they're not going to employ people. Well, listen, the world is a, uh, is a pretty stressful place. Let's change gears a little bit. Let's have a little bit of fun here on the podcast <laughs> and, uh, let's tell a few jokes and you know, apply that to finance, some financial lessons for people as well. So I'll tell the joke. I'm going to try to audition here. Um, so <laughs> give me a little slack out on my delivery. I haven't practiced these too much, but um, and I'll ask you a question to follow it up. So first one. Now, I'm not normally one to brag about my financial skills, but my credit card company calls me almost every day to inform me my balance is outstanding. That was good. <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> Listen, uh, what we want to talk about here, though, some advisors don't want their clients to have any debt on the balance sheet, right? But others are more comfortable with it. How do you talk about uh, debt with your clients? Yeah, it's it's a good, it's a, it's actually a pretty good joke. Um, I like it, Thank and you. it does. Uh, you know, we do talk a lot about uh, debt with no matter what age a client is, whether they're younger or older. 
you know, the consumer debt thing we want to eliminate. Obviously, again, we've mentioned before, we're Dave Ramsey advisors on here. So we, we want people to eliminate uh, that debt. It, it, it's a behavior thing, but it's also a math uh, thing, uh, especially credit cards. I mean, it's, it's compounding interest in the wrong way. So we want to really help people try to get out of that. So we will dig into people's budget if we need to. Some people now, if it's a, if it's a really bad situation, that may take up a lot of time, then we do have uh, individuals that we refer their Ramsey life coaches essentially, and that's all they do is peel back the layers of their budget. So we'll refer that out uh, to individuals to help them with that, but we try to do it as much as we can. But getting rid of that debt, um, yeah, you don't want to have uh, you don't want to have a, a balance that's outstanding. That's that's the, the one connotation that outstanding is in the bad. <laughs> you don't you don't want high balances. So we want because that's just that's expenses that is going out every single month that you could be saving. Um, you know, student loan debt's obviously a, a hot button topic right now. So we have uh, people in our office that educate and, and counsel people on um, student loan debt and how to maneuver the minutia of the different options of paying these things back. So we have someone on our staff that does that. They specialize in that when it comes to student loan debt. So there's many, many avenues. I taught Financial Peace University, so I get the debt snowball. I know how it works. So we definitely want to address the debt situation because it, it it can hamstring people into saving for retirement and it's, it's just going to hurt their nest egg down the road. Very good. All right. Next joke. So Ryan, why couldn't the advisor get people to buy bonds? I don't know. Not enough interest. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, speaking of bonds, how do you help determine the right mix of stocks, bonds, and other investments in someone's portfolio? Yeah. The interest that bonds are paying right now is, um, minuscule, next to nothing. Ten-year uh, treasuries are next to nothing. Uh, why do you want to loan the government your money for 10 years and, and get basically a percentage point or maybe slightly higher or slightly less and then get your money back afterwards? I mean, inflation's running higher than that. So, But they do serve a, a purpose. Um, I, I don't think they serve a great purpose for younger individuals. You know, everybody's risk tolerance is a little bit different. So they serve a purpose to be able to rebalance your portfolio or, you know, for buying opportunities where you can sell some short term uh, bonds and, and put those into equities. But when you do get to retirement, they do serve a purpose. They do uh, smooth out your portfolio. Again, you're not really shooting for a high rate of return for the for bonds, but they do smooth out the volatility of it. So they do serve a purpose. Uh, just not a huge, huge fan of them um, for, for for what we're trying to accomplish. But everybody's situation is going to be different. But it, it does lower that risk number in people's portfolio. So they know, okay, my risk number is a certain number. Now the guardrails on the downside and the upside have now shrunk, have now moved together. And when you get to retirement, it's about consistent rate of returns, not average rate of return. When you're in accumulation phase, when you're working toward retirement, you want that average rate of return. So volatility can really be your friend if you just stay the course and keep investing. Now that's where coaching and behavior finance comes in to our job and to help our clients with that. But bonds can serve a purpose, but it's not going to be yielding a, a, a definitely high rate of return. Or like the joke said, there's, there's hardly any interest that is being spun off uh, of these bonds or bond funds. All right, here's another one for you. 
I'm not saying my financial advisor is bad at his job, but when I went to his office and asked him to check my balance, he tried to push me over. <laughs> Speaking of balances, uh, Ryan. That's so bad, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do when you find a client who's got a balance that's, uh, that's out of balance in their portfolio? Yeah, and that kind of leads to, to my previous point as far as rebalancing goes. Sometimes portfolios are, are kind of auto rebalance, if you will. They'll do it, you know, once a year, twice a year, uh, quarterly. But, you know, and a lot of advisors have software now that that measures that every single day, really. It doesn't mean your account's traded every day, but with the market swings that we have had, there's there's been more rebalancing opportunities on a short-term basis. Now, again, rebalancing can't guarantee a higher rate of return, but studies have shown generally over time that, again, it, it keeps the portfolio uh, smoother, but it can, it can yield uh, higher rates of return. But obviously, again, no guarantee there, but it's just mainly keeping the integrity of your portfolio. So if your risk number is a certain score, you don't want it to deviate or what they call style drift. You don't want to to have a, you know, moderately aggressive portfolio. And then if you never rebalance it, then you look up in 15 years and it's aggressive. And you're like, holy cow, what 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 happened here? And then there's a market correction and it comes tumbling down. So those are things you need to uh, definitely think about. But rebalancing is definitely one of those opportunities I think a lot of people miss out on. All right. Uh, here's one for you. Let's talk investing a little bit. What's another name for a long-term investment? It's a failed short-term investment. <laughs> and that one kind of hits close to home, Ryan. I think, I think anybody yeah. that's had a bad short-term investment that they've just said, well, I guess I got to hold, hold on to it now, uh, yep. they understand that one. But is there any, any uh, such thing as a short-term investment in retirement planning? Or are we always looking uh, long-term? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely short term. Uh, that's a question I usually ask a lot of people. I mean, there's when it comes to retirement, and, and if you need whatever their income level, what they need for the next one to three years, a lot of times we do put or put them in shorter term investments, knowing okay, the income that we have for the next three years is in these investments here. So not going to yield a whole lot of rate of return, but also it's not going to go backwards. So we know this is where our income is going to come from, no matter what the portfolio does. So it's kind of a bucketing approach, if you will. You know, these are years one to three, you know, three to six or seven, seven to 10 or 12, and then 15 and beyond. So you have different investments that are accomplishing different things. So yeah, there are some short term uh, investments that we use with our clients. Now, if, if, if a person who's 35 years old and they say, you know, I, I'm going to buy a house in, in three years, you know, or I just sold a house, but I'm waiting for the market to die down and then I'm going to purchase something later. Well, in that case, I would not put any money at risk. That's just my personal opinion. But anything three years or less, I'm not, I, I, I can't in my good conscience tell people to invest. And then what if we have a pullback for the next two years? And now that, you know, $200,000 is now 150 grand and now they want to go buy a house in their short that amount they need to put down on their house. So for younger investors, for short-term stuff, it's it's not really sexy, but put it in a in a money market account or a savings account that's going to yield 0.5%. You're not doing it for the yield, you're doing it for the safety uh, that it's not going to go backwards. But you know, once we get beyond 3 years, okay, let's have a conversation, but um, you know, younger investors, I wouldn't really put my money at risk in short-term investments, but obviously when you get to retirement, there's there's definitely a need for it. 
you know, you talk about those those short term investments and the market. Leads me to my next joke. Why was the client sleeping like a baby when the stock market crashed? What was that? He woke up every hour and cried. <laughs> Look, how, no, how I, I, go ahead. I heard Lou Holtz, uh, he probably didn't come up with that quote, but I heard Lou Holtz um, say that in a speaking engagement really? last year. He said <laughs> that exact same thing. Oh, that's great. Uh, so how often is someone stressed about the stock market uh, when they meet you for the first time? And what do you do when somebody does get worked up and, and, and stresses out over these turbulent times? Yeah, and that's where... So yes, do we have some clients that, that were like that before? Yes, but that's where education, education, education comes in and, and using that term coaching as well. So from a personality standpoint, if someone's going to be checking their balance every single day, I, I'm okay with people just looking at it and going, okay, well, I did that today or I did this today. That's whatever. But if people are, are scrutinizing and analyzing it every single day, oh gosh, what should we do? What should we do? Then they're not a fit. They are not a fit. We are not day traders. Uh, we're not we're looking at the long term. We're looking at the big picture. And so if someone's that stressed out about it, then if we're not coaching them and educating them through these turbulent times, then uh, they're, they're probably not going to want to work with us. Um, and, and so that was a perfect case last year uh, with, with COVID for about a month and a half. The market was just going straight down. And so we got ahead of it. We just provided as much education as we could uh, to all of our clients, not just individuals, but to everyone. And we didn't have a ton of calls uh, during that. We did have a couple. Yes, I'm not going to say we didn't have any. Sure, we had a few. Any, any advisory firm out there, I'm sure, had people calling. But if you educate people and say, look, you know, this is why, you're, this is why your portfolio is constructed this way. So my retirees, they probably weren't all in the market. So when the market's tanking, you know, their portfolio going back to, you know, bonds, that's where bonds kind of do their thing. You know, okay, market's tanking. Let's take some of our income off these, these fixed income bonds that aren't really giving us a whole lot of rate of return. But then again, they're not losing a whole lot of money either. Now that's not to say bonds can't lose money. They can, you know, they're, they're an inverse relationship to interest rates. So as interest rates go up, bond prices go down but they're not, most bonds are not quite as volatile as the, uh, as the stock market. Some can, when you get into the whole junk bond world, yes, they absolutely can. They can default, they can go away. But during those times, that's where we put high quality, safe, uh, fixed income bonds in there. So for times where it does poorly and then the reverse, when the market all of a sudden just took off for the rest of the year, okay, let's carve some of our income off those investments that have, that have done well. So it's constant education. It's constant value adding to, to keep people from from hopefully sleeping like a baby where it's all the way through the night. Yes, I don't know where that saying came from because babies don't usually sleep well. So they, they do usually wake up every hour and cry because they're hungry or wet or you know whatever that may be. But yeah, when Lou Holtz, I do remember Lou Holtz said that he was talking about, I think, playing Miami back in the day when he was at <laughs> Notre Dame. Like, oh, how'd you sleep last night, Lou? And he's like, oh, I slept like a baby. I woke up every hour and cried. So I did, <laughs> I've heard that joke before. <laughs> I can see him coming up with it. Lou's, Lou's, got, <laughs> Lou's got some lines, I think, that uh, oh, he does. That are pretty he hilarious. Does. Great I, speaker, by the way. If you have ever chance, the audience out there, if you ever have a chance to listen to Lou Holtz, he is awesome. Yeah, definitely. All right, I got one more joke for you, and we'll close out this topic. I got some great news from my financial advisor. He told me I can retire at 64 and then live comfortably for about an hour. 
<laughs> nice. Uh, how, how do you make sure someone can stay retired? That's what we all worry about, right? <laughs> Once we retire, we want to stay retired. So how do you make sure somebody can stay retired for the rest of their life without, or after they walk away from their paycheck? Yeah, I don't want that advisor if they give me that advice. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep working, I think, in that situation. <laughs> yeah, hire somebody else. Uh, yeah, or keep working. But yeah, I mean, is is going through, obviously, you can go through 10 million different simulations. And obviously, there's software out there that run 10,000 different Monte Carlo simulations. And I get that. And it shows your success rate. And, and those are good. Those are effective tools. We got them. Everybody's got them. Uh, but yeah, running through simulations where you never want to do an income plan that has a static rate of return. E even if it's, oh, let's just use a conservative rate of return. You don't want static. You want volatility to it because there's going to be years where it goes down. Obviously, we don't know how much it's going to go down. We don't know how much it's going to go up. But if you use you know fairly modest rates of return, but then bake in some years that are going to go down, it just paints a clearer picture for those individuals. Because if you use a linear four to five to six to seven to 8% rate of return, it, it, it paints a false sense of hope uh, that thinking, oh gosh, you know, I, I can retire right now. I, I don't have to do anything. No, that's usually not the case because there's going to be down years and you, we have to know how to navigate those down years. Uh, so providing those simulations and baking in those negative years is definitely going to be important. And then it goes back to, again, the social security discussion too. How do we maximize social security? Cause it can be, it can be a several hundred thousand dollar decision. Uh, when you look at the course of somebody's life, if you claim that too early, how much are we leaving on the table that we could have gotten each year in, in guaranteed income, not to mention any cost of living adjustment that the federal government declares for, for social security, because Medicare, that continues to, to increase in costs. So we, we need to try to maximize that Social Security benefit as well. So, uh, But really going over an income plan and making it simple, making the complex very simple, putting this income plan on one page so people can see it, they can see where all the buckets of income is coming from, printing out 40 pages of data. Nobody wants to see that. And I've seen software packages that do that. They're like, oh, look at this thorough plan. Well, it's a bunch of charts and graphs and, and nobody wants to see that. People want to know, can I retire? When and what kind of income can I take? And that's what we provide. Very good. Well, thanks for humoring me on this uh, this episode, Ryan. <laughs> that's I, good. I you know, like it. Hopefully, uh, I don't I don't think I have a career as a stand up, but maybe <laughs> maybe some people got a couple of chuckles out of today's episode. But yeah, just try to have some fun, keep it a little light lighthearted today oh. on this episode. We do have a mailbag question I want to get to before we close out Perfect Game Retirement here today. It's time to open up the mailbag. And this one came in, again, through the website, blackoakam.com. You can send us a question there if you have anything on your mind. Linda in Athens wrote in, My daughter has just turned 18, and I'd like to help her get off on the right foot with retirement savings. What's the best way to get her started? Hmm, that's a good question. There's a few options there. Again, there's a lot of additional questions, but as far as from a, from a big-picture perspective, Linda, if your daughter... You know, turning 18 is not as big of a deal as if she works. And, and I say that because a Roth IRA is the go-to for a young person. Now, you have to have earned income. So your daughter has to have some kind of W-2, 1099. They have to have proof that they were employed sometime throughout the year. So I think a Roth is the best 
is the best thing for a young person. I mean, that compounding tax-free growth, uh, if they leave it in there long enough and, and wait till they get to retirement, that can be a huge tool, especially at 18 years old, even if it's 25 bucks a month, um, encourage her to do that. Again, she has to have a job. So um, if she if she doesn't, then she can't open a Roth. Uh, she's got to wait on that. And that's kind of a that's a common misconception, and that's a question I get a lot from my clients. Is oh man, I need to start this early for my kids. I'm like, oh well, yeah, but here's the caveat: you have to have some kind of job. Now, Linda, if she does have a job, the maximum she can put into a Roth is six thousand uh, dollars, which I know for an 18 year old is a lot of money. But she can put up to $6,000 or whatever she made. So if she made $2,500, she can't put in six because the government's going to be like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, money come from? <laughs> you only made $2,500. Where's the extra Where's the extra money coming from? But she, So she can put up to $2,500 uh, in a Roth IRA. So just kind of be aware. It, one, does she have a job? And two, how much did she make? Uh, depends on how much she can contribute. Now, if she doesn't have a job, there's other other accounts you can set up. Uh, you also have to think about the financial aid application, FAFSA. There's some things there that you need to consider because it's a formula. And if you have assets in your daughter's name, it's going to weigh heavier on her FAFSA application versus just, you know, like a 529 plan. You know, that's that's, that's different different formula when it comes to that. But if it's some kind of a brokerage account in her name and your name, it's going to weigh a little bit heavier uh, on her. But again, a lot of things to consider, but point blank, if she's got a job, I would do a Roth. Yeah, I've been thinking about the same thing for my, my nephew who is uh, just turning 16, but I was thinking of, been thinking about gifts for graduation. That's something that I've been thinking about is he just started his first job working at an ice cream shop. So I was Sweet. like, yeah, it'd be pretty cool to, to start him off with the Roth. I know I would have really, you don't appreciate it as much when you get it at the moment. It's like, oh, great. I got money I can't touch for yeah. 50 years. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for the gift, Uncle Ben. But but right. seriously, like over time, it doesn't take long before you realize, hey, this is really an awesome gift. And you still have it when you're in college and it's gotten bigger and bigger and it, it really gets you passionate about saving. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's close it out on that note. Ryan, enjoyed it uh, as always, having a little bit of fun here on Perfect Game Retirement. If you haven't subscribed to the show, please do so. We would appreciate that. Uh, you can find us on any podcasting app, whichever one you choose to listen on. Hit that subscribe or follow button. We'd appreciate that. But if you want to get in touch with Ryan, schedule your Retirement Coach 360 session online now. You can do so at blackoakam.com. Ryan, thanks as always for the time, man. We'll talk to you again pretty soon. Yeah, your stand-up, stand-up <laughs> career is on its way. Thank you. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta, Cartersville, and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.